welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here today. If you're a first-time guest, um, welcome. <laughs> We're a church. We're a gathering of people that love Jesus, and we love the mission of Jesus in this world. And we're a project, we're an ongoing pursuit to discover what Christ originally intended church to be. And so we're figuring this thing out called church, right? Like we're figuring it out. No one's been to church tomorrow morning. And so we're figuring it out what it, what it means to love Jesus and love this world and to be Christians in this world. I want to encourage you that if you um, have an iPhone or one of these fancy phones, go to Uversion, the free Bible app. And on the free Bible app is our notes and I'd encourage you to download those notes for this message. Just go to events and search for the church project notes. And then I'd encourage you to save those notes so when you go to house church this week, you can dialogue over the passage. Today's passage of what we're talking about is in Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 22. So if you don't have a Bible, you can get a Bible in the entryway right there, and that's our gift to you. But we're looking at Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 22. Um, if you would, let's just stand, and I'm going to read this passage for us today. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 22. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even the handkerchief and aprons that he had touched, that had touched him, were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who, who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14, seven, seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirits jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I had been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Aratus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the providence of Asia a little longer. God, I pray that as we look at this passage and that we study this passage, that you would reveal yourself to us, that we would see truth that we can apply to our lives today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. So as we look at this passage right here, God did some an incredible things. And what do we need to know about this passage? Here's what we need to know. There is no um, context that Jesus isn't the answer. In our lives, as we look at our life, there is no context in our life that Jesus is not the answer. There's nothing that we've been through. 
There's nothing that we're going through and there's nothing that we will go through that Jesus isn't the answer. It doesn't matter what the context is. It doesn't matter what the situations are. It doesn't matter how incredibly awesome, like Krista and Brad, your wedding, that's going to be awesome. God's going to be in the middle of that. And it doesn't matter how negative and how bad and how desolate the desolation that moment is. Like, there is no context that we can go through in life that Jesus isn't the answer. Amen? Context is huge. And especially as we're looking at the Bible and as we're looking at this passage, like, context is huge. As we look at Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 22, don't get stuck in the weeds. Don't drill down so much into the minutia of the words that's happening right here. Like, I encourage you, study it, dive into the Greek, have fun, read commentaries. I love that stuff. But here's the deal. Don't get stuck in the weeds. And as we look at Scripture, I would encourage us, one of the reasons that we study the Bible verse by verse is that we hope throughout the week You'll leave here and you'll go, what Aaron said, I'm curious. And what the Holy Spirit was showing me, I'm curious. And you would open up your Bible and you would study it and you would read it. And we'd be a people that hold the Bible in high regards in our life. Amen? Like our hope is that we dive into Scripture every day of the week. And I'd encourage you that as you're diving into passages like this one and other passages, that you don't get stuck in the weeds and you sit in the passage long enough to hear what God is saying. Like, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us incredible things. The Holy Spirit will show us some things right away. We're like, oh, I know what this passage is saying, and we get it. But also, as we sit quietly and we reflect on the things of Jesus, and we say, Holy Spirit, teach me some incredible things, it's in those secret moments that I believe God can do some miraculous healing in our lives as he reveals himself to us. Now, I've got the best job in the world. I mean, besides people, people are hard to, to, to work with. Would you agree? Like, people stink. I can't say that. People are awesome. They spark joy in me, Krista. No. I say I have one of the best jobs in the world because I am forced, every time I speak, to sit with Scripture. I am forced to look at it and understand what God is saying on the surface, but I'm forced actually to dive in and really sit and say, God, what are you telling me in this passage? And what do you have for a church project? And so every time I get up to speak, I can almost guarantee you no one is growing more in this passage than me because I've sat with it for a long time. You want to grow in, in, in your love for God? You want to grow in your knowledge with Scripture? Then sit with Scripture. Sit quietly and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, show me some things, and get busy, church. Let's be a people that get busy in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, not, even a, not just on Sunday, but we get busy with Scripture, and we say, God, show me who you are. That's the kind of people that I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of because we're saying we're not about us. We're about the Holy Spirit. We're about God showing us incredible things, and imagine a room full of Preach your pastors right now. That's a lot of words, sorry. But if we knew our scripture and we dove into it all the time, like think what God could do in the places and spaces that we go. So context is key as we're sitting with scripture. I want to back us up in this passage just a little bit to get us some, give us some context. Okay, 
Paul. It's talking about Paul. Luke is writing the book of Acts, but we're talking about Paul and his journeys right now. And as we look at the life of Paul, what do we know? We don't have to look too far back in his life to realize that Paul's life was a wreck. Would you agree? I mean, he killed Christians. That's not necessarily a good life, right? Paul's life was a wreck. Remember that context. But also, as we're looking at this passage, which is filled of all sorts of sorcery and magic and wonderful things like aprons and and handkerchiefs that are healing people, imagine how much you could sell one of those for. Whoa, that's awesome. But as we're looking at this, context is everything. What's happening? What city is being taught to right here? It's the city of Ephesus, and Ephesus is known for its sorcery and magic. And so no wonder God would highlight some incredible things and some miraculous things in this city at this time. Why? Because he's speaking a language that that people would definitely understand. Huh. Wow. This isn't just out of right field. This incredible stuff happens. No. The gospel's being preached into a city where sorcery and magic is happening, and God's power overcomes that and shows even incredible things. Wow, context is everything. God met Paul where he was at. And God met Ephesus where they were. And when you encounter God, it changes everything. Paul can no longer stay the same. And Ephesus, the sorcery and the magic and all the everything that was going there, when it was introduced into the power of Jesus, it changed everything. Christians... That that killers become Christian healers. Paul's life, Christian killer becomes a Christian healer. Smoke and mirrors become fruitful years. And I am rapping like no one's business. This is awesome, man. It's my dream one day, guys. I'm going to put out an album, and I'm going to drop a sick beat. It's going to be good. Right, John? You and I, we're going to work on it. There you go. But look at that, smoke and mirrors become fruitful years, even in this little passage. Like, people are wanting the magic. They're wanting all this stuff, and it just shows that that's smoke and mirrors. Like, there's greater things than even what's happening here than the healing. There's a Christian song out right now. I accidentally heard it the other day. I don't know. We'll leave it there. And it's, do you long more for the healing or the healer? Do you long more for the miracle or the miracle giver? I mean, let's just fill it in. What do you long for? Do you long more for creation or the creator? Like, what do you want to put in there in your spot? Like, do you long more for or for? Do you long more for the temporary or for the things of God in this world? That's the people that I hope we are. Like, when you encounter the Holy Spirit, it changes everything. That means in middle of the move, When you don't know what to do, don't look for the next step. Look for the step giver. Well, we're at today. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what situation's going on in your life. Don't look for the next step. Look for the step giver. Say, God, here I am, and I don't know what to do, and I seek you. And the question is, as we sit here today, what context do you find yourself in? Paul had a context. Ephesus has a context, and we each have a context, and we ask God to show us some incredible things. There is no context that Jesus isn't the answer for. Christian killer, magic city, and whatever we're going through, Jesus is the answer today. Amen? So that's what we need to know 
What do we need to do about this? What do we need? Why do we need to know this? The world will distract us from the main point. We gotta remember that there's no context that Jesus isn't the answer for, and we need to know that because the world will distract you and me from the main point. We can get so disillusioned and we can get so dissatisfied and our eyes can get off of Jesus so much that we're not even listening or thinking about the most important things in life. In verse 13 through 16, what do we see in this passage right here? Look at it, verse 13 through 16. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the, name of, in the name of the Jesus of Paul preaches, I command you to come out. What are they doing? They're trying to invoke, they're trying to do something that's not even in them. The world will distract you from the main point. And what we see in verses 13 through 16 right here is unsuccessful attempts of the group of these Jewish exorcists to use the name of Jesus in their practice. It doesn't work, though. It doesn't work. Even in this passage right here, the world, Satan, our distraction, whatever you want to say right here, can distract us from the main point. Even in this scripture, even in this passage, filled with miraculous things, we can get distracted from the main point. What would you say the main point of verses 11 through 22 is? Just take a couple of seconds here, just a few minutes, and look at this. What do you think the main point of this passage is, these verses? It's not the smoke and mirrors. It's not the magic stuff that's happening. But yet we can run in tangents on those things, and they're important. The main point is in verse 17. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And what does your Bible say? Highlight it and underline it. The name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Amen? There's no context that, that Jesus isn't the answer for, and that's important to know because the world would distract you and me from the main point. So as we move through our days, things happen to us, and we can focus more on those things than we can on what Jesus has for us. Even as we're reading scripture, we can dive in and go, oh, it's about magic, it's about something, it's about, no, the main point is in verse 17, that his name would be known, amen, church? Don't get distracted. I can say this because like April and a few of us, I've been to Haiti. And I can see the, the, the church in Haiti and I've seen the church in Haiti operate in the middle of the jungle in beautiful areas. But I've seen a, Christian, a new Christian people coming to know God, but they're brand new. They're coming out of like voodoo. Actually, voodoo practices, witch doctors, whatever it may be, they're coming out of that. And I remember preaching one time in Haiti at one of our villages, a church project building, and I'm preaching to the Haitians, and I can hear the drums of voodoo happening just 100 yards that way. And we had to go through all of this. And so don't you think in this context that Christians are coming to know Christ, but yet Satan is so subtle that he's bringing in some voodoo, 
a little bit of gospel, a little bit of Jesus stuff over here, and all of a sudden we have a theology that goes, whew, looks good, tastes good, looks really close to the truth, but it's not the truth. Church, don't get distracted. This passage is not about the miracle things that happen. I mean, that's awesome. But it's about verse 17, that his name would be lifted high forevermore. That's what this passage is about. And don't think it's just in Haiti. What about in America? What do we mix with our consumerism and comfort level in the gospel to create this thing that looks a little bit like Christianity but really feels good? Like when we dive into scripture here and we humbly say, Holy Spirit, do some incredible things in our life, man, it's amazing what God will do. He'll reveal things in our life that says, he'll ask us questions. All right, am I being the Lord in this aspect of your life? Are you submitting to my lordship in this aspect of my life? Or are you all about consumer and comfort and feeling good and just kind of taking what you want to take? Man, Christians, Let's run after God and let's say, God, show me the context of my life and may your name be known and lifted high in all aspects of my life. Amen, church? In this passage, these people were distracted by perception versus power. Like They perceived that if they went and claimed this name of Jesus and they didn't have a relationship with them, it was gonna give them power. But as Christians, we know power comes through the Holy Spirit. And so let's not just think it's perception. Let's know the power of who Jesus is in our life. It reminds me of Ephesians um, um, chapter 1, verse 17. And Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. May that be our prayer May that be what we long for, that we would humbly every day say, God, show me and teach me more and more who you are. I want your name to be known in everything I do and say. So there's no context that Jesus isn't the answer for. And we need to know that because the world will distract us from the main point. Even as we're reading scripture, we can get distracted from the main point. Well, what do we need to do about this? We need to trust God's prompting in our lives. Trust God's prompting in our lives. As we looked at this passage, a group of people proclaiming Jesus' name gets called out. And then we see, what do they end up doing? They end up burning, which ended up being $50,000 worth or even more worth of scrolls, like bringing them. Because why? The Holy Spirit prompted in their life saying, change. And we see people change and burning stuff. I remember in college, back when CDs were a thing. No, I don't know what it is. But CDs were a thing, man. And I remember I had a whole, a whole collection of CDs that I really loved. And I went to a really conservative Christian college. And they were speaking about the devils in music. And I remember getting really convicted and taking a whole bunch of dollars worth of CDs. And we had a long aisle in our, in our dorm room, a, like hallway that was concrete. And I would take a CD and phew, like fling it like a, like a Frisbee. And it would bounce off a couple walls and then shatter. Like it was super fun, like, phew, like, this one's not good. Like, I was just super convicted about the music that I had at that time. A few years later, I had to buy a couple of those CDs back because they were really good. 
But in that moment, it was the right thing to do. Like, I knew it. It, it was the scrolls that I was holding on to. I was proclaiming and looking the part, and Jesus was asking me all along, like, are you willing to give up? Are you willing to, be, to let me be the Lord over your life, even in the music that you listen to? Like, God was convicting me, and the Holy Spirit was convicting me. As we sit here today, I wonder... Are we trusting God's prompting in our lives? And what might we need to burn in our lives so that the name of the Lord Jesus is held in high regard? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says this. My prayer is this, that he will lay out all the riches of his glory to give you strength and power through his spirit in your inner being. May we be Christians that are super sensitive to what God's doing in our life. And may we align our lives when God says, move. When he says, change. When he says, burn something or buy it back or whatever. May we be a people that humbly seek God. The world will distract us from the main point. And God's timing in our life and prompting in our life is super important. What do we need to do and why do we need to do this? We need to trust God's prompting in our life because the name of the Lord will be held in high honor. God wants his name to be known and, and proclaimed. It will be held in high honor. What I like in verse is in verse 21. Look in verse 21. I'm gonna highlight a couple things. In verse 11 it said, God did extraordinary miracles, extraordinary miracles, through Paul. Do you see that in verse 11? God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. And then we see it verse down in 17. The main point of this passage is that the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Through these miracle things that God did through Paul, the name of Jesus was held in high honor. And then we get down to verse 20 or 21. It says, after all of this. So the context is Paul. God did some incredible things through Paul that God's name would be known. And then in verse 21, it says, after all this, it's kind of like Paul was like, God is doing incredible things and I don't know what to do. And he's sitting by watching and part of it somehow. But in verse 21, Paul kind of wakes up and goes, okay, that was cool. It says, after all this, after everything that had happened, Paul said, I'm gonna go this way now. This is very important for our lives because, listen, after all of this, God will do amazing things in our times at his, at, in our life at his time. Like, do you believe God can do incredible things? Do you think he can do miraculous things? Do you think Paul, as he was walking the earth, thought that an apron that touched him or a handkerchief that touched him could be taken and sick people would be healed because it touched him? Do you think Paul was like, yeah, I'm that good? Do you think Paul would even believe that this was happening? All Paul knew is that God was using him in miraculous ways. The same Holy Spirit that moved then moves today in our lives. Sometimes it's gonna be miraculous. Sometimes it's gonna be mundane. It's the Holy Spirit choosing to move in our life when the Holy Spirit wants to move in our life, when the Holy Spirit moves in our life. God will do incredible things and amazing things in our lifetime, and our job is to celebrate it. Think about Paul. 
He was probably like, God's doing awesome things in my life. Six, sick people are being healed. Miraculous things are being healed. And then after all this, Paul wakes up and goes, okay, I'm going to keep on with my life. When we see the miraculous in our life, which we've already seen in Church Project alone, God has done some miracles in our body already. And when we see that, what do we do? We celebrate. We say, thank you, God, for what you're doing. May your name be lifted high. And you chose to move in us at this time in this way, and thank you. And if you ever choose to do that again, thank you. It's not about the miracle. It's not about the miraculous thing. It's not even about our physical healing, because guess what? Even your physical healing is temporal. That's not the healing we long for. We long for the spiritual healing. We long for Jesus' name, God's name, the Holy Spirit to be known in our lifetime. That's the ultimate healing. And when God moves and chooses to move, we celebrate that. Because he might move in our life in miraculous ways, and he can in our life move in miraculous ways, so we celebrate. For those of you that are super uber Christians that are old, raise your hand. All right, let's just rephrase it. If you've been a Christian for a very long time, raise your hand. All right. Now, we'll see. We'll see how old you go, how old you go back, all right? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. How many of you know that song? Two, three. Way to leave me hanging up here, man. Yeah, I'm not in the band. Isn't that true? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Like, Jesus is the way. God doesn't need us to help out his name. God doesn't need us to help out his name. His name will be known on earth as it is in heaven. His name will be known. Our job is to simply preach Jesus, is to point beyond the temporal and into the eternal. And when God moves in our lives in miraculous ways, we celebrate. We say thank you. If you've come to Church Project for a while, I can think of one time in my life specifically that God chose to heal in a miraculous way. And I don't think Garrett's in here, but as a wrestler, I was wrestling and I got souffléed. Anyone know what a souffle is? It's bad. <laughs> well, it's actually really cool if you're counting on it. But I wasn't quite counting on a souffle and I ended up getting slammed on my back, heard a snap and couldn't stand up. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> the EMTs run and they rush. They come down and I'm getting taken to the hospital. I can't move. I can't feel my feet. And I remember halfway from swing to Lahana, just kind of crying, thinking, oh, well, it was fun. And that's when those little, 
those little speed wheelchairs were really in. I'm like, those are cool. And so I was like, I wonder what color I'm going to get. Like in my mind, I'm like, I wonder what color. It's like five minutes ago, I was, I was winning a match. Now I can't move. And I'm like, what color am I going to get? And I remember thinking, all right, we got this. Like, it's good. And I don't know, some, some, somewhere between then and somewhere between a couple hours later when I walked out of the emergency room, Amen. Miraculous. Weird, because I'm Baptist. Weird. I don't care. I can't explain it. I don't know it. I'm not sure how that handkerchief healed sick people, would Paul would probably say. But may God's name be known in my life. May it not be about the miracle. May it be about the miracle giver and wherein the miracle giver chooses to heal and do miraculous things. May we not run and be scared, but we may, may we celebrate and say, God, thank you for who you are. And may the world know you through this miraculous or mundane, just my life. May the world know, know you because the name of the Lord will be held in high honor. Our job is to simply show up and preach Jesus. It's quite honestly one of the reasons why we're not very flashy at Church Project. Like, this thing doesn't need to be flashy. It doesn't need to have lights going everywhere and all that stuff. Not that that's bad. But we don't want to win you with smoke and mirrors. We don't want to win you to an experience. We want the church to gather together at house churches, first and foremost, that was a shameless plug for house church. If you're not in house church, be in one. Gather together in house churches to know Jesus, to be in relationship with each other so that we're growing together. And then our Sundays is nothing more than a gathering of house churches as we sing amazing worship and proclaim his name. And as we study scripture together and as we pray together, it doesn't really need to be that complicated. Jesus' name is enough. Amen? Let's preach his name. Let's strip away the show. And let's let his name do the rest. By the way, in this passage, just technically so you know, as Paul moves on to Jerusalem, he's ultimately going to Rome. And from this point on, all the way through Acts, the narrative will continually drive Paul towards Rome as his final destination. Like, we're on the downside. Paul is going towards Rome now, towards his final destination. I'm reminded as I read this of 2 Corinthians 4, 7, which says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And so when you win that Super Bowl, Jesus. When you train up a great child, even if that child's a little turd. Jesus, we did our very best. Like as we pass that test or fail that test, Jesus. It's not about the grade. It's not about what we're doing. It's about whose name is being known. So church, this week, may we be a humble, humble people. Encounter the Holy Spirit and celebrate when great things happen in our lives. Amen. Thank you, God. May his name be known in our life. There is no context that Jesus is not the answer for. Amen? 
the world will distract you from the main point. Amen? That's kind of bad, amen. Let's take that one back. Trust God's prompting in our lives. Amen. That's a good one. And the name of the Lord will be held in high regards. Amen. Church, let's pray. God, I thank you for bringing us here today. I thank you for your scripture, and I thank that your name will be known in our lives. That Jesus, you are the answer for the world today. And above you, there's no other. You are the way. God, I pray that as we sit here today, that we, your church, would just reflect. And church, maybe ask this question. Where have I made this life about me? God, please show us where we've made this life about us and not about you. And God, where are we being distracted from the main point in our lives? For some of us, maybe as we reflect upon yesterday or reflect upon the last week or the year or two of our lives, we might be able to see that we're trying to copy or display your power. When instead, we should be trusting you to move in your time, in your way, as you choose in our life. Would you show us areas where we've tried to force your hand, where we've pushed through without consulting you, where it's been about what we want and our desires more than it's been about what you want and your desires. Please let us reflect on these moments and think about these moments. In church, I would ask, how is his name being held in high honor in your life? Is there anything in our life that we need to change, maybe language or attitudes or habits or whatever it may be? Is there anything that we need to change to be more fully in line with the, what, with the way that God is asking us to live our life? God, if when you show us those things, I pray that we are a people that's bold enough to burn the scrolls, to smash the CDs, to do what you're prompting in us to do in our life. May we not be captivated by smoke and mirrors and temporal things, but may we point to you the eternal where true hope and love lie.
And church, I think a great question just to contemplate in the moments of silence right now is ask God, what are you prompting in my life? And in light of this passage and in light of what you're showing me today, what are you prompting in my life?